Welcome back to the Undelivered Podcast. It's me, Bailey. And it's me, Ashley P. Worthington. Step one. Yeah. (laughs) Check. Um, Ashley doesn't like starting podcast off. I think she's perfectly capable of doing it. You're cute. You're funny. Get on here, girl. Come on. I just, you are so quick on your feet. Like my brain doesn't function. (laughs) I was going to say that's called trauma, baby. I gotta, you gotta be quick in these streets. (laughs) I have trauma. Different kind of trauma. Uh, And that's exactly why we're here. We're going to talk about our trauma. (laughs) I don't know why I just, I don't know. The beautiful thing is that you can start over and nobody will ever know. Yeah. Okay. We're happy to have all of you here. I'm excited about this episode. Even though people were a little confused by it, I tried to eh, tweak it, phrase it in a different way. We wanted to hear from you and we're very excited to hear from you. We got some great responses on undelivered things that are left out of life, things that are topics that are undelivered that you kind of struggle with and you shouldn't have to struggle because in 2023, we've got the internet, we've got Instagram and we've got a lot of people. So there shouldn't be anything that anybody sort of stumbles into, but we still do because either people gatekeep or they just don't want to talk about it. And I'm not here for either one, like just (laughs) share the information. I was going to say, I think, I mean, you were here because we're oversharers by nature that's true that is true but I feel like in this case it's not a bad thing no you know you have Mm -hmm. to share what you've been through or like what's the point of you even going through it I feel the exact same way but a lot of people don't feel that way like they and that's fine look because a lot of people I think particularly as it pertains to infertility, they don't, they still don't want to talk about it. And that's fine. I had a very interesting interaction with a woman who she didn't know that it was my book on the counter and she picked it up and she was like, Oh God, I could never, I could never buy this for my friend. (laughs) It was amazing, but it was like, some people just don't want to talk about it. Right. She didn't have infertility issues. Her friend did, and she didn't feel like she could get it for her friend. That's fine. Well, maybe her friend doesn't have a sense of humor. (laughs) Well, here's the thing about that. You have to be, I would say, 30% at peace with what you've been through or what you're going through before you can have a sense of humor about it. Mm, Like the, the dust has to settle just a little bit before you can laugh at some things. Right. Like Sam's. Well, oh. checking abilities y'all hear about that next week <laughs> yeah god love them stay tuned for that little fun story um so anywho we want to talk about you we want to talk about the things that y'all think are still undelivered um we've got some fun type in messages that we can read and we've got three really really awesome um voicemails to listen and we're so thankful for all the people who responded but we really wanted to hone in on these few so we could talk about it um but before we get started Ashley P. Worthington how how are you feeling about things that are still undelivered to you in your life I mean I think there's always gonna in a, in a sense there's always gonna be undelivered Cause we, I mean, we've said this a thousand times, like you, you don't know until you know, like you don't know something yeah. you're kind of in the thick of it, I guess. Um, you know, nobody knows what's around the corner, but you know, my, I guess my hope is that I have enough people in my life to where no matter what I kind of face or no matter what I feel like is is going to be undelivered that I'm not going to be alone and I think you know that's the whole reason why we kind of wanted to start this whole thing is because we felt so alone and isolated in what we were going through so I guess my hope is just that no matter what happens somebody's going to be there or going to be able 
to hold my hand through whatever said circle. Yeah. It's a comfort thing. You don't want to be like kind of left. You're not just totally thrown in the dark and left to kind of figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Um, Which is a lot of what you and I, I mean, a lot, it's happened a ton, a ton of times or we wouldn't be here, but yeah, yeah, I think we got to get better, especially I was going to say, especially women, but you know, men aren't the biggest talkers either, (laughs) but just, you know, being, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, because that sounds kind of scandalous, but, um, repeat that because it cut out again. It's okay. It's okay. I said, um, I don't know what to say. Gotta get comfortable not uh, airing your dirty laundry because that sounds like kind of scandalous, but like, uh, uh, you know, being, I guess, open with your experiences so you can help other people. Yeah. Yeah. My life know, story. Yeah. What? what well, yeah. <laughs> You're like the, the spokesperson <laughs> for soapboxes. <laughs> oh, boy. How, what, um, what are you feeling with undelivered information oh everything truly I mean everything like a lot of what we've already discussed what it takes to make marriages work what it's like to go through infertility uh what it's like to adopt a child um what I don't know it just so much life stuff changing careers um, doing big, scary stuff, watching people that you love die. I don't know everything, like just life in general. I used to, you know, we talk about grief a lot and I used to go to funerals up until a few years ago. And I would look for their grief, like on their body, like the people who lost their loved one. I used to just sort of scan their body and look for it. Like, where is it? Where is your hurt? Where is it hiding? Is it on your chest, on your shoulder? Because I just, I couldn't understand how something that I was so confused about could hit so many people. And so I felt like it was just going to be this new tattoo that people had. Like they had gone through this terrible, awful thing. And even my mom had some friends several years ago, um, a tornado ripped through their house. Like they had nothing left. And, and when we went to go see them, I'm like, where is it? Where's your hurt? Where's your grief? Is it in your face? Is it in your hands? And it's just, uh, so I'm constantly looking and searching for the undelivered things because I don't know. I'm just so surprised that people don't word vomit everywhere, but I know that that's not, that's not everybody's way of dealing with things. But no, no. Yeah. But it's mine. It's mine and yours. <laughs> Me and yours. Um, but to answer your question more specifically, adoption. Adoption. That is something that I'm still hoping to help other people with because I was helped in so many gracious, loving ways going through our process. But there were still some things left out, you know, um, and not even in terms of like paperwork really now at this point, just emotions and having the dust settle. It's been six or seven months since our adoption was final. And I just now I'm like, I had a friend text me, um, her adoption was final a couple of weeks ago. And she said, when does it go away? Like, when does that fear go away? And I said, I'll let you know when. So, yeah. I feel like trauma doesn't have, well. (sighs) Yeah. Well, I'm not, yeah. Y'all like had some traumatic events through the course of your adoption. Um, Trauma has no timeline. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. I get that on a t-shirt. We will. (laughs) We'll sell it. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, you know, everything. That's why I love 
having this platform with you is because if we, it's like that little mice droppings, one little thing we're like, Oh, this, we need to talk about this. So the next person will know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we sent out a little memo, um, and we were really happy with the response that we got about what was undelivered in your life. And, um, we, we have some that we're going to read and then some that we'll discuss and then play the voice messages later. So, um, I guess it's appropriate for me to start off with this one. Um, one woman wrote in and said, adoption is something that's not talked about enough. And I hope I'm understanding this right. Her parents adopted her child. Yeah. That's how I took it. Um, and she didn't have any resources outside of the movie Juno to know what it would be like or feel like. And it was the best choice for me and my family at the time. And I don't regret it, but it's an isolating experience and comes with its own brand of grief. I can't. I, um, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that would be such an interesting, like we could probably do a whole yeah. episode on like the other side of adoption, because yeah. like a lot of the times you know, every, every birth mom, there's so many different circumstances on, you know, why you feel like it's best to put your child up for adoption. Um, but even, even in probably the worst of circumstances, circumstances that felt really weird coming out. Um, there probably is still, there's a lot of grief surrounding that. I would think maybe not for everybody because there's definitely a few sociopaths out there, but I would think that you would definitely have some, you would have some feelings about it. And I've never heard anybody's side of the story on that. You can probably speak to this than I can. Yeah. It's, I know that it comes with a lot of shame. I I'm not making this up. And I think I've said this before on, on the podcast and I'm going to butcher it, but there's a quote, um, every adoptive family is built on the grave of a broken one. Mm. Um, and that that's true. Um, as, as heartbreaking as it is. And then a a wonderful mentor that I have who's adopted two children. Um, she said, we just live in a broken world, right? I mean, if, if it was not a broken and perfect world, I would be able to keep my pregnancies. Children would be able to stay with their birth people but it's not it's not a full perfect world so we have our own fix-its and it's it's beautiful and hard and awful all at the same time um but yeah i would imagine birth mothers oh it's just it's hard it's very hard. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so much, I feel like that's her, her writing. And that's just like a surface scratcher. You, barely. You, yes. You go deep down into. Yeah. So many things with that, because obviously I don't think any mother would choose to give her child up. I mean, sometimes, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out. See, this is why I don't ever kick us off. I'm like trying to <laughs> gather my thoughts over here and it's not coming out well. <laughs> well, you gather your thoughts and I'll read the next okay. one. Okay. Um, This woman says that anyone can have infertility and it's not, quote, just going to happen when you stop thinking about it. This took us five years to go see a specialist because we thought it was all stress related and we were just overthinking it. Just go see an, uh, oh, she's saying, go see a specialist ASAP if you want a baby. Also, all the things that happen to your body when you're pregnant, like how was I supposed to know that I can pee while throwing up? (laughs) I peed and threw up all the time in my first semester, first semester, trimester, (laughs) along with several other weird bodily things that I had no idea about because nobody told me. Oh, yeah. If it makes her feel any better, I've peed while throwing up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think I was pregnant. I think I was just barfing. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, bless. Yeah. I mean, pregnancy is one of those, like, beautiful. 
but such taboo. Oh yeah. And it's like, no one pregnancy is the same. Mm -hmm. And so I could, I could definitely see how there is so much undelivered surrounding pregnancy, because it's like the most off the wall things can happen when you're pregnant. And people, sometimes I feel like people will look at you like, wait, what? No, that's not a thing. I feel like I'm having a flashback right now from season two. What country is it where they don't discuss anything other than like beautiful growings of a baby? Because it's a turnoff to men. Is that France? Do you remember that? Okay. I don't remember that. (sighs) Wait, a was that a turnoff? Was that a documentary or was that one of our episodes? I feel like I'm having Wait, a flashback. We definitely, we, I mean, we covered an episode about different countries and pregnancy, and a lot of co- other countries are superstitious, like very superstitious during pregnancy. Um, like I think the Chinese culture specifically are very superstitious. Like you don't move into a new house when you're pregnant. You don't like there's all kinds of things um, that they're very, very superstitious about. Yeah. I remember that, but I also have a feeling like part of, I guess my, the goal that I'm trying to make is, or the point that I'm trying to make, whatever, um, is that there's so much undelivered information, women to women on pregnancy stuff is because they don't want to like fear that their partner or husband hears it because it will make them like unappealing, unsexy and unattractive to them while they're pregnant because so much shit is going on with your body <laughs> pregnant. Do you well, not remember that? Go back and re-listen. Okay. Nope. No. I was like, girl, that was like a year ago. Okay. <laughs> okay. You I don't keep... even know what day it is. It's March 5th. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to keep going or do you want to read some? Oh, you're good. You're doing great. Great. Thanks. Okay. (laughs) Well, I don't Um, know what order you're going in. Girl, there is no order. We just willy-nilly out here. Okay. Let me pull up (laughs) my screenshots then. Um, Yeah. Would you call us a homemade podcast before? Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Okay. Good. I hope I probably just butchered that name. Uh, weaning depression is real. Mm-hmm. Like it's in breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, while I didn't go through PPD or PPA, I did go through depression after weaning my first. And it also, it hit her in the beginning of her twin pregnancy. Oh Lord. Yeah. Cause I guess that's one of those. I didn't know that weaning depression was like a thing. Uh, I had is no it a idea. thing? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I haven't experienced it quite. I haven't experienced it yet because Ridge, uh, he kind of like self weaned. Um, my goal was to make it to a year, and at 13 months, he kind of started like self weaning at an awful time. He was teething, and we had just moved into a new house, so that was like my ace in the hole. <laughs> was a boob and he wasn't having it um but no I have heard um women talk about it especially on the uh La Leche Mm -hmm. pages about how like truly heartbroken they are about their breastfeeding journey coming to an end Hmm. um and I get it because it's like the world's crazy. Our lives are crazy. Like when you have kids, it's like crazy, crazy, crazy all the time. And to me anyways, it's just a part of the day. It's calm. It's quiet. It's kind of like one-on-one time with your baby. It's so sweet. Um, it, I don't know how to, it's just special. Like I, so I could definitely see how, especially if you're not prepared for it, how it could truly be devastating to, uh, yeah, to not have that anymore. Cause it's kind of, I guess it's kind of like your sacred bonding time between you and a baby. So, um, yeah. you know, when you start your breastfeeding journey, you're so focused on, am I going to be able to do this? what's our schedule going to be? 
like, ouch, this hurts. How long am I, you know, like you're just kind of in the throes of it that you're definitely not thinking about it coming to an end. So I don't think it's something that's typically discussed a lot until you're in the thick of it. Like, right. I'm so sad. Why am I crying about this? Because <laughs> you put in a lot of time and effort for it. That's yeah. why. So I would definitely say that's undelivered information. What's next? Do you want to do another one? Oh, um, pelvic floor physical therapy. We all about that. You know, that's my jam. Um, she said, this is actually a pelvic floor PT writing. I strongly believe that every woman should see a pelvic PT after having a baby. Uh, this could be a great opportunity to help women learn about all the ways pelvic PT might be able to help them. We are professionals that help with issues related to the two comments above. Oh, about is, labor and delivery. Yeah. Recovering after labor and delivery and C-sections. Yes. Mm. Um, if you have not heard it before on this podcast, pelvic PT is amazing. And I it's still not talked. It's not talked <laughs> about enough in this country. Insurance should offer more of it. Mm-hmm. It should be automatically a of postpartum care, like it is in other countries. It is so 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 helpful, y'all. Sex after a baby doesn't have to be painful. You don't have to pee on yourself after you have a baby. Yeah, or at or, any time. <laughs> or at any time, unless you're throwing up. <laughs> Um, if your back is hurting, like if your low back is hurting, you have hip knee problems. It can all, if you have TMJ, y'all TMJ is related to a weak pelvic floor. I've got to go see a pelvic floor therapist. Um, amazing. I will, I will leave her nameless, but a person, a woman in my life has recently been going to a pelvic floor therapist weekly mm-hmm. and um she cried like there was something that went on with like cried in a good way like spiritually oh, okay. I was about to be like Ugh. no yeah I'm sorry I should have re- reworded that like sp- spiritually emotionally mentally something just cleared out of her and she said that she felt like a different woman it's amazing. So I'm telling you, it's I really need to go do that because you've talked about the book, the body keeps the score. Oh yes. And as women, especially, um, like after birth and stuff, you like, we, as women, we just hold trauma in our hips. And in this country, we are not taught how to properly take care of our pelvic floor after the trauma we endure Mm -hmm. and our pelvic floor is literally holding our body together (laughs) oh my god don't talk about it enough and people don't seek it out because they you know it is intensive and it is especially in the beginning you are supposed to go like once a week sometimes it just depends on what's going on and as moms you don't make, you don't prioritize yourself for that. Um, so yeah, shout out to pelvic floor PT. Everybody should go. Yes. Lordy. Um, so yeah, there was a bunch of other ones about labor and delivery, infertility, um, male factor, infertility, um, sperm quality, which, oh, I've heard that just sperm quality is just plummeting which is a terrifying yeah. thought do you know um, why <laughs> why about it before we've talked the, about it yeah the seed oils the endocrine yeah. disruptors and our all of our beauty products and yeah. our crappy food chocks full of pesticides all of our unfiltered water all the things great yeah oh boy um so, yeah, I mean, I think people are still just on the same wavelength that we've always been on. Like, why aren't we talking about, you know, more infertility, male infertility, um, healing after C-sections, 
Um, I do want to speak to one point about that, the C-section thing that um, somebody wrote in about Mm -hmm. saying that they felt like they were such a failure after their C-section. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me so sad. Um, Because a lot of the times stuff around C-sections, like it's not, it's not your choice. Like, you know, obviously if it's, let's get a healthy baby here or not, you're definitely going to choose a C-section, you know? So I, that one, that one was sad for me to read because, um, there's already so many emotions around the birth of a baby. You don't need to feel like a failure, even though I I get it. Like I'm still pissed. I got an epidural with Bowen, (laughs) but it's just in a perfect world. I mean, things are never going to go as planned. Oh, isn't that so annoying? Yes. For control. Yeah. Yeah. Very annoying. (laughs) Annoying. Um, so we, I guess this is just a good place as any to hear from the other women who sent us voicemails and I'm thankful that they sent them in to us. I'm very excited about it. Um, so yeah, and away we go. Hi, Bailey and Ashley. I have two areas of undelivered information to share with you. The first one being that I don't know if you knew this, but you can get sober at 21 and still be a somewhat normal social human being because I did that. And number two, um, you don't have to be a teenager to have an eating disorder. And a lot of times people who struggle with drugs, alcohol, any kind of addiction in their female, not saying it can't happen for guys, but they'll also deal with eating issues. Um, And that certainly was the case for me. And I had this belief as a teenager and in college that somehow once I grew up, that the eating issues would just go away because I would be a grown-up. I would be an adult. Um, And they did for some time. And then I had a kid and relapsed, recovered, had a kid, and then relapsed again. Um, We're on kid number three, and fingers crossed we're good so far. But um, that's something I really wish more people understood for sure. So... Becoming sober at a young age or just being a sober adult in general uh, is possible and doesn't make you some like circus clown. (laughs) That's not the right term. Um, And then be eating disorders come in all ages. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine, sadly, how hard it would be to become sober at the age of 21. Like, and that's just when things are taken off. Oh, well, and that's... And it's yeah. settling down, I, yeah. I think it's because... I don't, I don't want to speak for everybody here, but I know me when I was a 21-year-old, it it was so mentality of like, oh, I'll get it together later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, this is the time of my life where I'm supposed to do this kind of crazy, wild party stuff. Yeah. And I did. But it honestly never occurred to me that friends could potentially like have problems from it. You know what I mean? Even at that young of an age. I don't know. I think struggle with not drinking. Like I just drank for fun and it was, you know, a big social thing. But if you're an alcoholic, I could definitely, I feel like alcoholism doesn't pick an age. That's true. It No addiction picks any age, but I also remember, maybe this wasn't undelivered. My mother gave me some advice um, <laughs> and it's kind of, oh, she was right. I could see it forming um, where in college, she would always say, be super mindful because this isn't going to come back to haunt you when you're in your forties. This is planting seeds and it's going to stay with you a little bit every day. And that's on anything. Um, 
gambling, alcohol, drugs, like you can't lay it down in your 20s when you when you're done, right? When you think you're done having fun in college and then you just pick it up full speed. Maybe some people do, like you know, in your 40s or whatever, but it it stays with you a little bit by little bit. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was I wasn't at the mindset as a 21-year-old sadly. Like I don't know if I could have made that decision for myself as a 21-year-old. Like, mm, I need to become sober and I think I'm going to do it. You know, like that's a props props to her cuz that can't be especially as a 21-year-old when that's all your friends are well my friends, <laughs> maybe not everybody's friends, you know, but I mean, at that age, that, that couldn't have been easy is what I'm saying. Yeah. I had two guy friends, um, who were very mature for their age. They recognized they, they were getting a very serious problem in college. And so they just walked away entirely. And it, yeah. that's, it's just impressive to have that knowledge know yourself that well, <laughs> know yourself that well and say, Hey, Am I going to be still doing this in my forties at this capacity? I don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah. And so then as far as the eating disorder, you know, just like she said, addictions, and I think eating disorders definitely go hand in hand. And I think, I think with any sort of addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or, or an addiction, that's all very, I think trauma rooted for a lot of people I mean there is like body dysmorphia and and all of that but I I definitely think that it's one of those things where like if you don't deal with your feelings they're gonna deal with you um and I think the truth very true for eating disorders Mm. and that's one of those hush hush closet things yeah yeah I think especially now because what she said was so true like it doesn't just happen to teenagers yeah Mm. but you don't you don't hear about it no never you know like hear about a teenager having an eating disorder but like I'll say if any if any of my friends have an eating disorder about right now like I don't know about it yeah that's rough Oof. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that definitely needs to, that's undelivered. People need to talk about that more. And I think all this also comes back down to, you have no idea what people are facing. Oh yeah. No idea. Oh yeah. What was that stupid movie with, um, you're not going to know. <laughs> you're not going to know. I'm like, um, the last movie I saw was Dances with Wolves. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gwyneth Paltrow was in there with Mark Ruffalo. He with is a, Mark Ruffalo. He plays like the Hulk and stuff. Um, no, right? Doesn't really well. Okay. All right. Do you know who Gwyneth Paltrow is? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> Good he has stuff. a daughter named Apple. Indeed, she does. <laughs> um, they were in a movie. I can't remember what it's called, but he is a sex addict. And so when they meet, he's in therapy for being addicted to sex. And so he kind of, um, they meet and they're dating and they're cute and he doesn't want to have sex with her too soon. Cause it'll like trigger him if he doesn't get his act together. And he calls her out because she has an eating disorder, but like, it's kind of like in the, in the way that the movie comes out, you don't really recognize it at first. It's just very controlled. She's very fit. She's a runner. She's very an older movie. Like maybe like 2010. Teen. Yeah. I feel okay. Something like that. Maybe so, it, but when it, you know, like the whole, you never know what people are going through kind of a thing as he's walking down the street, you can see his finger and it, it, it like flicks and it's like one day at a time and people, if that is all we need to say, that is all we need to say. People <laughs> are just trying to make it one day at a time yeah like you just never know what people are dealing well, with because a, a lot of this 
that specifically like alcoholism and an eating disorder, that's like, you're most people aren't just going to go flaunt that out on the street. Like, Hey, I'm, you know, those are some of the, like the worst parts of you that you want to hide and you do hide and you lie about it to hide. Um, yeah. So you just, I don't know what I was saying. Okay. You were getting somewhere good. Uh, yeah. And then whew, the thought. I think it's just all very cyclical too, because if you drink in excess, you're also trying to hide something, right? Yeah. So then when you take that away, it's just the stripping down. And that's when people just get terrified, you know? Mm, bless. Okay. All right. Let's kick it over to the next one. This is Shelby. Um, I don't care if you use my name or not, but I think um, something that has resonated with me, the undelivered information that has resonated with me is someone who has um, struggled with their relationship with their parent, um, more specifically their mother, um, has a, you know, I have a strained relationship with my mother and um, now that I am a parent, um, I look back over some of the things that were done and said to me by my mother and I can't begin to understand how or why I was ever treated that way by my mother because I can never fathom saying those things or doing those things, things to my own child. Um, so it was something that, um, took me by surprise when becoming a parent. Um, it, um, was something I had never really been warned about, which I don't know that anyone could have warned me about that or prepared me for that. Um, but I do know that a lot of people, a lot of adults, um, you know, have strained relationship with their parents or, you no, go no contact. Um, when I moved in my later in my adult life, I went no contact with my mother for an extended period of time. Um, but it really just opened my eyes to a lot of things when I did become a mom um, of really how mistreated I was. And it's hard to not be resentful towards my mother all over again after, you know, working through years of therapy and trying to get past things that had already happened. Um, it feels like, um, becoming a mother almost ripped that wound back open, but just from a different angle. Um, so that is my undelivered. I was not prepared for the emotional trauma to resurface. Um, and my, relationship with my mother to become even more strained um after I became a mom myself oi 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 moms are hard moms Moms and daughters moms and daughters are hard yeah can attest to that (laughs) I think we have a great advantage our generation of parenting now we just see it we just see things better And I used to think it was so cliche when people said this, but if you do some really great inner work, I'm not saying go to therapy. I'm not saying be more woo woo than what you're comfortable being. But if you sit with your little self and learn how to reparent yourself, you'll be a better parent. And just that knowledge is a great advance over our parents' generation. Just well, being able to recognize that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think every parent only wants to do better than what they had. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. I think it's just, they were raised differently than we were raised and so on and so forth. Like every generation, every family has their their own issues or their own struggles and I mean that's that's what forms a person yeah like the environment that you grow up in and so I think 
you know, I, I will speak on, on this personally, like a lot of things I held against my mom for, for a very long time. Like she, she was doing the very best that she could. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, but now, especially like as a, as a mom myself, I so, I so appreciate it. Yeah, I'm trying to like word this so delicately. I think moms and daughters are definitely hard. There's, there's a power struggle there Mm -hmm. that's not there with dads and daughters a lot of the time, because most of the time, you know, dad, I'm daddy's little girl, all that, um, but I guess where things can get complicated too is like if there's no dad figure around in the house, then there's definitely a power struggle <laughs> because yeah. one person, one adult has all of the authority, if that makes sense. And nobody's calling them out if they're being unreasonable or selfish. Right. Or or one thing that has been said a lot in my household lately is bleeding your wound onto your kids don't get the blood from your hurt onto your kids and that is yeah that's that's deep yeah that's very deep and I think we're possibly the first generation to know how to not do that maybe I I don't know I I would say I'm not executing that very well yet (laughs) I'm just Um, trying to understand the bravery that it would take to go. I'm not sure. Um, She said that her relationship is strained with her mother, not going no contact or did I misunderstand? And she didn't. Um, But either way, I just feel like that would take a lot to go absolute zero contact with your parent. Like that just takes and there's been, I know you're not on the ticky talky as much as I am, but like, or ever, it's my, it's <laughs> unless my gu- you send me something, I know it's my guilty pleasure. I just like scroll at night, but there's an entire movement about this on TikTok right now, where people are coming forward saying that they've, that they like, do not talk to their parents at all. No contact, boom, drop off, nothing. And there was this woman who was, you know, our, our mother's parents gen not our mother's parents but our mother's generation and she's like the y'all are the most selfish self-important self-entitled people like how I could never do that to my parents how can you cut your parents off and so many people responded to her video saying it has nothing to do with selfishness or self-importance um this is just the the decision that people have made because of the damage that's been done. So again, it's that cyclical recognize where you're hurting the next generation, because ultimately here's what people forget. You're raising adults. You're raising adults that you pray come home for Christmas. Yeah. 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 Okay. We're, we're not <laughs> about this. Do what now? <laughs> I say we're not done talking about this topic. I'm just going to uh yes, interject bring with that. bring in um a comment. Um but she said women's roles in breaking generational cycles and patterns, specifically patterns and behaviors around parenting, motherhood, and adulthood. I guess that's more of what I was trying to say. <laughs> like I feel like Every parent is just trying to be better than what they had and maybe trying to either sharpen their own tools that their parents didn't have, Mm -hmm. you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Help me out here. (laughs) Like they're, they're trying to sharpen tools in their own parenting journey that they did not have themselves in a parent. And yeah. so I think, I, I don't know, that's, that's a very hard thing to break 
generational patterns and cycles because that's that's who you mimic yeah the time like whether it's good or it's bad your behavior is mostly from observation not Mm -hmm. information I learned that today at a parenting seminar at our church oh cute okay look at you ma'am um but I mean it's so true because you know they they are little shadows and they're little sponges and they see and hear and absorb and if they're not taught any differently then whatever behaviors they are observing they're they're going to internalize and they're going to think that it's normal whether it's good or bad yeah and I think once it's so easy I've said this a thousand times I was the world's best mother the day before I actually became one and so it's (laughs) oh Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Really easy to sit back and say, you're never going to do that to your kids. You're never going to be like your parents were or, um, or, or like this woman, you think you're healed. You think you've moved on to a place that kind of plateaus and you think it can't hurt me anymore. And then you have a child and then you become the parent. And then you're like, wait a second. I, I don't know anything. Or when she like specifically in this voicemail, when she became a parent herself is when it maybe clicked more of how unnormal, unnormal, is that a word? Um, How unnormal, whatever, whatever she went through as a child, like how truly unnormal that was because she said she can't even fathom some of the things that she went through as a child. Mm. Um, she can't even fathom doing that or saying some of that to her own child. Yeah. So that, yeah, I think it takes work, um, breaking generational patterns and it probably (laughs) takes a lot of mistakes (laughs) breaking that pattern. It takes a lot of putting yourself under a microscope Mm -hmm. and being, being comfortable getting uncomfortable. I feel like I've said that a lot this episode, but you have, you kind of have to like sit with your yuck and just be like, ew, I like that. Why do I not like that? And what, what can we do about that going forward? Yeah. That's literally what we were going through in therapy last week. And I say we, me and my therapist. <laughs> you and your 20 personalities. <laughs> no. Yeah, that. You um, don't have 20 personalities. That was just a joke. No, just uh, three. three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, moms and daughters can be very volatile. Very but you know what? She's my best friend in the entire world. Oh. Now. Yeah. <laughs> now now emphasis Our on the now teenage years didn't go so well but okay moving on I just had to say that before there were hurt feelings <laughs> you're fine okay last one hi Bailey and Ashley this is Lindsay in Cleveland um what I am undelivered about is how I wound up with cancer That has now led to a high-risk pregnancy. Um, Last year, I was diagnosed with stage zero. So very early. We caught it early. Thank God. Cervical cancer. Um, After me going to the doctor multiple times the previous year, complaining of symptoms of said cancer and being told that it was normal and that I was okay and I shouldn't be worrying and Googling being a Google doctor, um, which then turned out to be completely wrong. And fast forward to now, um, and I'm dealing with a very high risk pregnancy because of the surgery that I had to have, um, to remove some of that cancer from my cervix, which also I was told would not be a problem at all, um, bearing children And now I am having to have ultrasounds every week, Um, trying to stay with limited activity. I can't lift anything 
you know, very at risk for preterm labor. So daily, I just think about all of these women that are now being told they don't need pap smears. Um, They only need pap smears every three years. Like, what if I would have waited? Um, I insisted on one. I luckily changed insurances, so they did it. Um, And it was caught. But I think about these women that are now going three years apart and what a detriment and disservice that is to us as women for something that could be so easily treated and caught. And also the fact that doctors just don't listen to us. I think they think we are just hysterical, nagging, complaining women. Um, case in point, I went to the emergency room at the, at the ordering of my doctor a couple weeks ago because I'm being monitored so heavily. And when I was denied an ultrasound, um, I said, that's fine. I would just like it notated in my chart that that is not being, we're not able to do the ultrasound and that I'm uncomfortable with that. And I was told that was aggressive. So I think it's just the healthcare system in general that I am daily upset at and upset about and made progressively worse as I sit here kind of on bed rest um, at 20 weeks pregnant with something that could have been completely avoided. Um, So, yes, thank you, ladies, for all everything that you do. I love listening to your show, and I hope you guys have a blessed day. I couldn't even imagine having cancer. And then having infertility, but having infertility because you had cancer. Wait, did she have infertility or did she was told she would not have any issues? Well, yeah, she was told that she would not have any issues. High risk. Yeah. Maybe because I know her. She's had. Okay. Yeah. You already know I'm hot about this. this the whole thing. Yeah. The the aggressive thing is really what gets you that they well, called no, her aggressive. No, not just that. I was already mad before that, but that did send me level 10. Um, it's just the fact she knew that something was wrong. And had she not advocated for herself, they would, they would not have found her cervical cancer, which cervical yeah. cancer can very, like it can get aggre- aggressive if you want to use that word. <laughs> That's the appropriate way to use this one. It can get, I mean, it can aggressively go quickly if it's mm. not found. So I can't imagine like not feeling listened to. And then ugh, just all the, well. What a horrible way to say, I told you so. <laughs> Here, right. I have cancer. Is that enough for you? told you so and that's more of like the just honing in on women know their bodies we know our bodies yeah we know when something's wrong um and it's just it's so sad to me that our healthcare system is the way it is to where we're not we're not taking these concerns legitimately yes there are a few crazies out there who are hypochondriacs and they will every single little thing they will think they're dying but that's that's not the rule I was just thinking that they I feel like the people who do I don't maybe we could use the word hypochondriac like they should not set the exception limit or they are the exception not the rule but they are setting the rule bar to where everybody else has to like suffer at that and women are not listened to at all no they're not I mean hello, I'm seeking out a functional med doctor because my OB won't listen to me either. Like it's so beyond frustrating. I don't have cancer. Thank God that I don't, that I know of, but it's just like, why, why? Like when it it could be so easy to just do a little bit more Mm -hmm. to put everybody's minds at ease. I don't think it's that hard, but you know why? This Dergum insurance companies, and that's my second point I want to make about this. <laughs> Go ahead. Is voicemail is yes, I did not know that the 
like the standard of pap smears, like I didn't know that it had changed until after I went in after I had bone, I'm like, I think I'm due for my yearly. And she's like, well, we'll go ahead and do it. But you know, the new, the new normal is like once every three years, if you've had a previous normal pap smear and I'm like, what? That, so now what? we have to pay for that out of pocket. No, it's, I think it's, oh, you're talking about if you want it. Like if you want one, the yeah. three years. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on your insurance, but that's crazy to me. That is mm-hmm. crazy that you're already there for a yearly appointment. Yeah. Why not? Why not do a pat smear to rule something out? Mm, I don't know. Same way that we don't get mammograms early enough. I mean, that's jumping ship to another issue, but no, but I mean, yeah, no, that's, that's true. Yep. Um, it, that's yeah. annoying. That's beyond annoying. I'm, I'm very, I'm very thankful that she advocated for herself and in all the, I kind of just out loud when I heard that I want it notated in my chart yes. I'm over here like yes everybody ma'am, follow her do. lead yes yes you do because yes. and you know what who cares if she gets labeled aggressive she's like the least aggressive person ever by the way but okay <laughs> <laughs> the the fact that they came back at her with that is because their egos were threatened that she had enough common sense to say she wanted that noted in her medical chart. Mm. That's what it all boils down to. They got pissed off that she said that and came back at her calling her aggressive. Lordy. Like, I have seen aggressive behavior from patients in, ho- in hospitals. That is like the least aggressive thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like I want it noted in my chart. If they, if they knew that they weren't doing anything wrong, okay, cool. No problem. I'll notate it. But the fact that they came back at her like that, they got defensive. Why, why are you so defensive? That's upsetting. I mean, the whole situation is upsetting, but just the fact that either we're going to be labeled aggressive or we're going to be called bitches. If you have a backbone, you're a bitch pretty much. Yeah, like um, if you fight for yourself, you're a Dr. Google. Yeah, um, Dr. Google, yeah. Uh, this makes me well. Mad. I mean, it just, again, I feel like I've said this a, a thousand times. It's one big circle. If you have to advocate yourself, a- advocate for yourself, it's because there's a system failure. And if yes. there's a system failure, it's because somebody hasn't done their job. And if somebody's not doing their job, it's because they are dealing with one day at a time, their own trauma BS. And if they're dealing with that, then their kids are dealing with that. And then the shit just starts all over again. So it's just one big circle. So everybody listen to me, lean in, listen, listen. If you mend your heart, take your time to do that because you deserve to do that. Everybody deserves to heal their inner child and to feel like a good whole full person. Cause if you're a good full whole person, you're going to go to work and you're going to give it the best that you have. And then the people who you love on and are the, you've given them your best, they're going to go home and give their people their best. And then those people are going to go and like stop and help an elderly person cross the street. And then the elderly person is going to go back to their nursing home and you know it's just one big we could go on and on and on with this we could and we I mean, should you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup that I guess that's the easier quicker way to say this yes you can't pour from an empty cup but yeah I mean it's you know maybe the doctor was having a bad day mm-hmm. the, or the doctor is controlled by insurance companies and big pharma but hey that's a who, whole other case. who are we to judge Pfizer yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, I think that's it. That was our few call-ins and our um, type-in messages. And that was a fun episode. We needed something yeah, was, a little light after Devin's episode. And then um, getting ready for our final handful of episodes to round out season three. So this was a fun little, fun yeah. little chit chat. For uh, 
listening to all of our ramblings and my speech impediments. (laughs) All right, gang. Well, thank you all for listening. Go tend to yourself however you need to and see fit. Call a therapist, call a pelvic floor therapist, call your mom, set up a boundary. And uh, share your undelivered information. Yes. People want to hear. Don't be silent any longer. Yep. That's right. Oh, that's a good one, Ashley. Look at you. You want to, you want to sound us off? You want to finish? Do we really want me to do that? Come on, do it. I don't know what to say. Ashley, (laughs) say say thank you for listening. Okay. Thank you for listening. (laughs) We will see y'all next week. You did great. I hate that. All right. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>